we've got a legend in our midst, yes! Michelle. The one and Mary Steenburgen is here. She's got a new movie. It's called Book Club. And yes. talk about legends. It's full of oh legends. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Your friend Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda is in it. And just it just goes on and on. Candace Bergen and Diane Keaton. It's yes. The, the, and some wonderful men as Yes, well. there are. But it's very uh, kind of interesting to have... Uh, a movie made with four women over the age of 65. Yes. Technically, I was 64 when I made it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how about that? It's amazing. That's I'm, like lightning in a bottle. And, you, uh, and were, do you get intimidated by these these huge legends like Jane Fonda? You have scenes with her? Oh, my God, yes. Well, the most intimidating, my first day of doing a scene with Jane we had a scene, or the first scene that all four of us worked together. We had to pick her up. She's a hot mess on the bed with eyelashes, you know, stuck all over uh-huh. her face. She's been crying. She's she's in a, a beautiful silk kind of nightgown and, and little robe, and she, but she's a mess because of a guy, of course. Uh-huh. And so we had to, within one shot, pick her up off the bed, clean up her face, put put a dress on her, put mm-hmm. earrings on her, sunglasses, shoes, and get her out the door. And that's all in, in a, one shot, in a one shot, shot. In a scene. So instantly, everybody's like, how do we do this? And But I do a TV show, so I'm very... Um, Economical. Yeah, and I just am prop friendly. Like, yeah. I'm not, I know I can repeat it over and over, and if I know what I'm supposed to do, yeah. I can... So I said, well, I'll get the dress on, because... Uh-huh. But stupidly, we got a wrap dress, and Jane Fonda (laughs) has no waist. So I like what I would wrap once or twice around Uh myself. It's like, and again, damn it, and again, and again. Yeah, there is, you know, she's like teenicey, and and um, but anyway, how does she not have a stomach? I don't understand that. No, she's a flat. She's a flat stomach. But even more weird is like. I know this sounds kind of creepy, but like staring at the skin on her back and everything, yeah. it's like a baby skin. How is that possible? She's, She's a freak of nature. She is. What, as you know, I think I think you're friends. Am I right yes, about that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most amazing thing is the um, kind of the the commitment to truthfulness mm-hmm. and this. You know, if you if if. If you're talking to Jane, she will she'll think before she answers questions because she sort of seeks out her own truth before mm-hmm. she answers you. And mm-hmm. there's something in a business where people have kind of learned to be inauthentic, mm-hmm. whether it's to protect themselves or to be something they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, she's so real, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm I just freaking adore her. Yeah. You know, I got to tell you, you know, when I did scenes with her on Grace and Frankie, uh, I'm full confession. There was not a moment that I forgot the fact that I was standing next to Jane Fonda. Of course. I mean, you've been acting for about just under 300 years. Yeah. And... Thank you for pointing that out. I felt felt my whole face just fall in that second. (laughs) 
but do you, I mean, you must get lost in scenes. I've seen your work and it's fantastic, but do, are, are there, do you're ever in scenes with people where you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is Alec Baldwin. I'm standing next yes. to or I'm being directed by Jack Nicholson. And you know, where do you get, do you, are you yeah. able to get lost in a scene? Oh God. Uh, Yes, but I also have what you just described. I did. I work. I did a movie a few years ago with a bunch of wonderful men. But I remember having this, my first scene, walking and doing a scene with Robert De Niro, and it was just a very simple scene. And we're walking down the street in Vegas, and it's in a movie called Last Vegas, and uh-huh. and we're walking along, and and he's so simply truthful that as we're walking I just I I remember both being going deeper and deeper in the scene and then the same way when you're meditating and you have these like thoughts that bubble up so the mm-hmm. thought that bubbled up was oh my god this is why he's who he is uh-huh. this is like man this is like you know when I was a kid we would say driving a Cadillac you know this yeah. is like this is something special yeah. you know how this Whatever his alchemy is, you you feel it when you're working with him. And I felt that with all three of these women, I felt both what deep respect for what great actors they are, but also, um, you know, I was in awe of them. And to be honest, th- I'm I'm proud of my work and I'm proud of who I am, but I'm not iconic. They're all three icons. So mm-hmm. the fact that I got cast at all still kind of amazes me and I'm not being falsely mm-hmm. modest. I think mm-hmm. that's true. Mm-hmm. They're like each iconic for a reason. So I felt I the pressure you're talking about was kind of me in my when I would be most insecure, I would go, What the hell are you even doing mm. in this movie? Mm. Mm. And um Still, um, after all these years, I mean, uh, you know, your first big movie was 78. 77. 77, yeah. With Jack going Nicholson. south. Yeah. He, it, was, it, was, it wasn't my first big movie. It was my first movie. First my first movie. movie, I was the lead in a movie opposite. But I had studied in New York with Sandy Meisner mm-hmm. and graduated from the Neighborhood Playhouse and then I and waitress the whole time and done comedy improv for years in New York before that happened. So mm-hmm. I'd had this The hard kind of, yards. You'd done the hard I yards. I did. I was a really good waitress. Really? Where did <laughs> yeah. you where what restaurant? They're all gone. But yeah. I'll tell you what they are. They're um the one I was at the longest was called Hudson Hudson's Bay Inn on seventy sixth and second. Uh-huh. And twelve tables inside, twelve tables outside, and I could work it by myself with a busboy on Sunday brunch, and what? that was my money for the week. Oh, yeah. I would do twenty-four tables yeah. by myself with a busboy and a bartender. Wow! And then, then there was um, I, I also worked at a place called Noah's Ark, and I worked when I got so-called discovered by Jack Nicholson. I was working at the Magic Pan. There were two of them. I was at the one on Fifty Seventh between. Uh, third and Lex, mm-hmm. and uh, I got I went from there to being the lead in a movie. How oh did you get? God. How did you get into the neighborhood playhouse? Well, I was raised in Arkansas. My dad was a freight. You mean train Arkansas? Kid. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> Only my Kansas relatives call it that. But um, uh, my dad was a freight train conductor, and my mom was a secretary, and. Uh, uh, I just was 
a normal kid there who loved books. I had some real hard stuff happen in my life, and books became my solace. So sanctuary, I, a sanctuary, mm-hmm. and and a place that I believed in. I experienced them as more than ink on a page. I experienced them as a world I would walk into and not want to leave. And mm-hmm. and it it always had like smell and taste and sounds and. I would do the costume design, and I, uh-huh. you know, it yeah. was very huge for me. And and so there was a moment where I, I remember my friends. One of my friends, she played bass in a band, and this other one was a really good singer. And and I thought, I wish I had something. And, and then I thought, oh, I do. I'm an actor. Uh-huh. And this was uh-huh. this was such a silly thing for a, <laughs> you know, like I'd never met an actor in my life. Yeah. You know, I'd like and and. But but uh, somehow I knew that's what I was. And I was about 15 when that moment happened. And then I went to a, a really good college for one year in Arkansas. And a guy saw me in a play there. And he said, you know, you, you should go to New York because mm-hmm. you have something special. And you should go to New York and study. And he, I said, well, where would I go? And he gave me this list of schools, which I still have. Mm-hmm. And he said, they're all great. This one has a man that's the most extraordinary acting teacher in America named Sandy Meisner. So, but it's really hard to get into. And he checked that one, and, and yeah. it's the only one I've applied wow. to. Oh, is it? That's yeah. crazy. Who was the guy who told you to go to my New York? professor, Kenneth Gillum? And and so when I won an Oscar years later, he's one of the people I thank. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Wow, wow! Yeah. You won an Oscar for Harold and Ma- Melvin, no, um, Melvin, Melvin, Melvin and Howard. Howard and Howard. Yeah, yeah. And that was only like your third. Film. Yeah, my third film, and it was directed by the great Jonathan. Demi, who we yeah. lost last year, yeah. who I, you know, I, d- I loved and that I did Philadelphia with as well. Right. And he's just That's right. a great friend. Now, yeah. the new movie is called uh, Book Club. Who directed that one? Um, Bill Holderman directed that. I who, don't know who that is. Well, because this is his first movie uh-huh. and he and Aaron Sims <clears throat> produced it and wrote it and directed what what's it like to work with a first-time director do do you do you direct him or do you think (laughs) this guy has got does he have to prove himself do you put him through the through the paces you know i have a son who's a director and i wouldn't want someone treating him so much that way so i think and and look my neck's out there so i want him to succeed and the you know, am I ever challenging? Probably I am sometimes only if the, but it's always about material or some, you know, and, and I think I try to do it in a way that's always peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, but I look out for myself because I've done this for a long time. Nobody else will. Yeah. Yeah. Are there movies out there that you think, Oh my God, I wish the the last copy would be burned. Oh my God. That's like half my career. Really? (laughs) Yeah. No. <laughs> no, yeah, it's like I and honestly, I feel like um, I don't really feel that way. By the way, but do I think that all these movies are 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 fully realized and as great as I wish they were? No, and I feel like part of the journey of being an actor is it's not a it's not about perfection. It's a group effort and. Sometimes I was the weak link. Sometimes really? other people. 
Yeah, I mean, I there's things I think I could have done better, or mm. I could have, um, I could have been, um, I could have. You know, maybe I was wrong for the part or whatever. Mm. I mean, I can look back and I think I'm pretty realistic about myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not especially hard on myself and I don't fluff myself either. I, th- yeah. I think I'm pretty real. I guess you would have to, especially if being an actor is mapping out an emotional um, sort of GPS system for what the role calls for. You would you would have to know what your uh, what what the tools you have that you can bring to this thing to make it come to life. I I I, I guess the question is in terms of of creating mapping out a, a role, um, how far are you willing to go? How you know are there things that you rely on? There's one thing like I think in Miss Firecracker, I can never forget. Oh my God, you I saying, love that character. That's really great character. Yeah, I loved her. She says this. She says some. She says something about my sweet carnation, and it is. <laughs> it just re- so resonates. Good. Yeah. And um, did you know you were? Did you know you were adding so much of Arkansas to that role? Did Did you map that out? You know, a great part like that that's so great on the page, all I had to do was fly. I understood her. She was so easy to play. She was so, when they're that beautifully written, you know, it was it was just um, effortless because it's, it's all there. I mean, she... She has like a clock collection, which mm-hmm. clearly is because she's terrified about aging. Yes. You know? And she's trying to control it. And she um she makes this fantastic speech about um my life as a beauty. <laughs> and um and I say, you know, um wherever I have roamed, uh Richmond, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and she goes she goes like within about a hundred mile radius of, and she you know starts naming all these places that she's been and it's like damn she's never gone more than a hundred miles and i loved her so much yes. and, oh and and um i have my my little cousin holly hunter wait on me you know yeah. hand and foot and she's serving me tea or something and i go Lemon drops, please. <laughs> and I, and uh, I have her drop lemon drops in the tea because, God forbid, I couldn't do that myself. Right, right. So it's just, it was so delicious. And Holly was so great. And Tim Robbins and Alfred Woodard and every, the cast was just so fabulous. And it Tommy really Schlamme, who directed uh, West Wing and who's just a, an amazing director directed it and, mm. and we got to rehearse that which is unusual for a movie we got to like do what you do in the theater and put tape down on a floor and, wow because we had tim and i had this like crazy dance to hernando's hideaway uh-huh. you know that involved going from room to room and jumping on the backs of sofas and so that was yeah i, I loved her i, I want to ask him we're going to go to break but i want to ask about the sort of mapping out a character you said that in miss firecracker it was easy because it was on the page but I, i'm just wondering how you're able to add so how a, physically an actor adds their own experience and their imagination from those books how do you infuse that your imagination into a character i know we've got uh, a break coming up. Well, I'll let you answer that when we come back from this and break. And also I want to ask you before we go to break, think about this. 
Do you ever get a script? You've been working steadily. You're unbelievably talented. Do you ever get a script? You look at it and say, nope, this one is out of my wheelhouse. I can't do it. Can't go there. Or I'm not willing to go there. Do you do that as an actor who's worked steadily for all these years? We got Mary Seabergen. The book, the movie is called Book Club. It's got everybody in it. It looks so funny. We're going to go to a break. We'll be right back after this. Girl, I love me some clothes. I love, I spend a lot of time out in stores buying clothes. You do. But, you know, Stitch Fix can fix all that. Well, they can, Rue. Stitch Fix has actually reimagined the way we find and we buy clothes. No longer do you have to go to the store and try stuff on and be like, I hate this, I need this, and another. No, that's not the way to do it. Now, they are convenient. They understand that life gets busy. So you just tell them your sizes, you tell them your favorite type of clothing and how much you want to spend, and your personal stylist will pick out clothing for you Based on your preference. So how many times have you heard people, including myself, say, oh, I wish I had a stylist to dress me every day. And if I had a stylist, I can look like that. Well, now you can. If an item doesn't fit or you just don't like it, no worries. You just send it back free of charge. And some of us have style and some of us don't. Let's face it. That's true. It's true. But just because a sense of style seems elusive for some, it doesn't mean that it's impossible to attain. There's no time like the present to discover that style that you've never known you've had, you guys. And you can... With a little help from our friends at Stitch Fix, they have just reinvented on how we of how you know we shop and we do this, you guys. All you do is you log on, you answer questions. You're literally thinking it's a dating app. Uh-huh. It's that intense, but that's how they figure out. What kind of stylist is going to work for you? What your stylist is, you know, that type of thing. So the things that work for you, you keep and you pay for. And the things that don't, you just send back. Correct. And their styling fee is only 20 bucks, which is waived if you keep all five items. Okay. So since your personal stylist uses only your preferences to pick your clothing, you're still in complete control of your look. So once your items arrive, you try them on. You only pay for what you keep. If you don't like something and you need another size, you just send them back. No questions asked. And shipping is always free both ways so get your fix free when you want hurry to stitchfix.com slash rue get started now keep all five items in your box and you'll get 25 percent off your entire purchase that's stitchfix.com slash ru stitchfix.com slash rue girl these bowl and branch sheets are fabulous and i think everybody should sleep on them i do i've said it there well honey they have a 30-day free trial so you really have nothing to lose and the thing about everything bowl and branch does which is amazing and has integrity is i constantly before i knew about bowl and branch would look on amazon or online for organic cotton Mm. because if you think about it you get out of the shower out of the bath Mm -hmm. you put all your lotions on you're going to jump into some synthetic right yuck Organic cotton is what you want on your skin, honestly, and less allergies and all that nonsense. But what I will tell you is the more you wash these sheets, the softer they get. I have a gray king Uh sheet, and it is so soft. I literally, when I'm exhausted, think about crawling onto that Casper mattress (laughs) with my bowling branch bedding, and it's like, yes, mama. (laughs) So you guys, if you want to get yours, our listeners, $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com, promo code RU, $50 off your first set of sheets, bowl, B-O-L-L, and branch.com, promo code RU. We've got Mary Steenburgen on the show. The new movie is called The Book Club. Now, Michelle, you had a question before we went to break. Yeah, because I often think, listen, we get a lot of talented people in here, but um, you have a pretty extensive body of work. And do you ever look at a script now? Because you can do anything. You've you've run the gamut. One of my favorite films you've ever done is Elf. And, yes. Um, <laughs> for the obvious reasons, but I'd love to know about outtakes, but that's not the point. The point <laughs> is, because keeping a straight face with that, 
Yeah. Buffoonery going on must have been insane. But do you ever look at a script now at this point in your career and say, I can't, this is way too big for me. It's been offered to you. They want you. Do you ever look at something and go, I can't, I can't do this? Um, Well, the short answer is no. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't do that because I believe that my job is to scare myself. And I believe my job is to, uh, never be set, you know, never, um, never, uh, feel like, uh, I I've done it. You know, it's so terrifying myself is part of what I spend a lot of time doing yep. and in many different ways, not just acting, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but you mentioned Elf. So the next call, uh, I got from Will Farrell was to say, would you be insulted if instead of playing my mother, I asked you, I mean, my stepmother, I asked you to play my actual mother, even though I think I'm 11 years uh-huh. you know, right, right. older than him. And I, I said, well, what is it? And he said, is this movie Step Brothers? And I thought, well, I, 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 yes, you know. And then the reality set in when we started doing it that, and uh, that in answer to your question, that it's something I wasn't, I didn't feel like wildly skilled at just being anywhere near John C. Riley or Will Ferrell mm-hmm. as far as improvisation. Can I improvise? Yes, that's what I love doing that. I mean, we do Curb Your Enthusiasm, that's a fully improvised show, but I was scared to death to do Step Brothers. And then I just started realizing, man, what you're here to offer is the grounding somehow reality oh yes of that there are two parents that have two middle-aged kids in their Mm -hmm. house and and uh so it's all insane it's just insane yeah Yeah. and and so all you have to do is just try to tell the truth you know and have a good time and i ended up it ended up being one of my favorite experiences of my life but i I don't think i was ever more terrified of any you know, certainly not in any so-called highbrow film. Right. Mm-hmm. I was I was terrified because they're magic. Yeah. yeah. They just are endlessly, deeply hilarious. That's the one too that has amazing outtakes. And I can imagine. And finding that and that clicking, what you said, which was, oh, I'm the grounding of these two comedic geniuses yeah. that did you learn that at meisner did you learn how to dissect a script and go oh i know what this role is how do you do that where do you where do you learn that i think what i learned more from him was how to um not try to be funny or be uh emotional or be anything like you've seen it before or like you've seen someone else i think what he uh, really caused me to do was to put my attention on the other person, not do anything unless they made me do it, and then do that from the most authentic place in myself. And that question you asked me earlier about how do you construct a character, and if there's a visual for me about it, it's like, you know those old Chinese apothecary cabinets mm-hmm. that have tons of little drawers? Yeah, I always think... You know, the cabinet is me. It's me. And there's all these tiny drawers that have made up who I am. And when I work 
on a character, it's somewhere in those drawers, and it's my job to figure that out. And how I get there is not always the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a character on Last Man on Earth, and uh, like most TV shows, the character has evolved from the very beginning to who she is. And I love her very much, you know, but she she mostly has come from Will Forte going um he he always says hard ass gale hard ass gale mm-hmm. and and it means lower your voice mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and it's it's a funny external way of getting to something that then triggers a lot of things in me that is this that is gale you know and and so not every not every path is is always from well, hopefully not too much from your head mm-hmm. that's why an answer to your question about miss firecracker miss Far- firecracker was she was kind of in some ways a million women I was terrified I was supposed to be when I was growing up Mm -hmm. like I I actually remember somebody saying you know well if you're lucky you know you could marry a doctor Mm -hmm. and nobody ever said you could be a doctor Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. my generation Mm -hmm. you know and it was like but I didn't want that I I would rather have been the doctor Mm -hmm. I would rather Mm -hmm. do what I want to do in life than you know, then be successful through someone else. Right. How did? Where did you get the permission to uh, to be hard ass Gail or to be any of the provocative characters you've played? Where do you get that permission? Especially, you know, good Southern gal. Right. Know. Yeah. Um. Okay. So my dad had eight heart attacks as I was growing up. I I mean, he lived through that, but every single one of them was going to end our life. It was, my dad was going to die. We didn't, he couldn't work for years at a time. We didn't have any money. We were, you know, there were times that we did okay when he could work. And then there were times that the nice man at the grocery store gave us dented soup cans mm. because they weren't going to sell, and he was kind, and mm-hmm. he knew that mm-hmm. we needed it. There there was that range in my childhood, and it was terrifying, mostly terrifying. They somehow kept us from being too scared about money, mm-hmm. but I was terrified about him dying. Mm-hmm. And he kept almost going, man, you know? And so um, my my belief was that I had to be so good and so perfect that it would never cause him to have a heart attack and he would never die. And so part of my deal in books, to be honest, was that was the safest place to be. Mm-hmm. And so so as I grew up, when I, when I started being an actor, I realized, and Sandy said to me one time, because I wasn't being angry in a scene, he goes, were you raised in a fucking nunnery? Mm-hmm. You know, and... Uh, and I, he goes, where's your anger? And I realized I was so scared of it. And I, I went to therapy. Um, after my first movie out here, I went to therapy. And bless her heart, on day one, this woman from social services, because I didn't have any money then mm-hmm. either, mm-hmm. like laid the whole thing out for me. And I was like, then for a while, I was too angry. Like I was like a shower Met, you know the hot on the shower was right. too hot yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and and then i learned to just try to tell my truth you know you got angry over the fact that you couldn't you weren't allowed to be angry as a child she she laid it out that the reason you are 
doing what you're doing is yeah. because you, you didn't allow yourself to do it as a child. Is that no what way. Yeah. No way would I do that. Yeah. I'd kill my dad. Yeah. You know? That's, you lived in fear of that. Oh, terrified mm. of that. And ironically, my dad died probably from his chewing tobacco of lung cancer. You wow. can, so not even a heart attack. Right. No. Right. No. And so after the, the therapist, after going south, the movie, and how many years do you feel it took you to fully uh, uh, give yourself permission to, you know, it, actually on uh, 30 Rock, there's this sexual tension between you and Alec Baldwin. <laughs> He's that so much fun. so oh beautiful. It's so and you, but you understand that we, the audience though, yeah. the audience feels oh, it yeah. and we yeah. and the permission to do that well it's also very forbidden because i'm i'm also his mother-in-law so, yeah, exactly. so I, I love the forbidden yeah. aspect of it and the weirdest thing about that is that one day we had to do a scene where we had to hit golf balls and <laughs> and to relieve our sexual tension <laughs> and I played golf with my dad a bit as a child, and um, but I haven't really touched golf clubs, you know, as an adult. Yeah. So I, I thought, oh my God, they're going to be waiting for me to hit these balls, and then, but I had to think of like some sexual thing to say on <laughs> each one. So I freaking nailed every time. Like uh -huh. I was like a golfer. Yeah, and the reason why was. And this is a tip for all you golfers out there. Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about the golf. I was thinking about what dumb sexual thing am I going to yes. say on this next thing? Yeah. And and so the golf just was like fantastic. Uh. I was like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> <laughs> Write a book. Write a golf book. I know. But you understand what I mean by this whole permission thing? Because even for for every human, not just actors, the the idea that you can create the life you want and as an actor obviously you get to create a role but create but letting go of some of the baggage like or, you like me yeah yes yeah like being able to you know just say you know what i'm gonna do my own thing mm -hmm. i'm gonna really uh because you've seen actors where they're holding back and it's like just go for it like um where's the meanness gail you know right you know right when did it really click? You went to a therapist? Oh, uh, well, you know what? I, I mean, I think it's an ongoing thing. Still? You know? Oh, sure. I think I think ev anything worth doing in life, any creativity, there's a certain amount of fear. There's like an edge that you've got to walk up to. You might have to jump right off of it, you know? And, and if people have no fear of that, it feels a little strange. Right. I don't know why she popped into my head, but there's this... Do you know who Jackie Shane is? Oh, yeah. Jackie Shane, yes. So I'm a little obsessed with Jackie Shane. Uh -huh. And I think about... When you were saying that, I was thinking about Jackie Shane She's because... a transsexual. They uncovered her. Jackie Shane, the singer. Mm -hmm. she, they un she was a singer from the 60s, soul yeah. singer. Yeah. And she disappeared for many years. And they just uncovered all of her... her old albums and things and they've re-released them oh yeah. yeah so jackie shane in the 50s and 60s was an african-american born man who dressed and performed as a woman in the south yeah like unheard of yeah yeah and i'm still amazed that at that at that yeah. So I think about jackie shane and about that courage and every once in a while when i'm scared of something it's like 
well, it's not Jackie Shane. Right. You know, like right. like you can do this. You're just, you know, it's an old white girl. Well, you know, but it does <laughs> speak to the tenacity of the human spirit when yeah. you think about what people are willing to do because the alternative there was no is other way death. For There's Jackie no, Shane, yeah. ult- I've got to do That's this, it. even if it kills me. You know. Well, that ultimately is true. I could not have had a life without the things I've done. I couldn't have had a life without acting. I couldn't have had a life without music. And I certainly couldn't have had a life without love, which is my family and my husband. Yeah. You know, so so there were just those things that it's like, what choice do I have? I have to be brave. But it, I I'm not by nature you know, the most, like, exhibitionist Mm -hmm. person, Mm -hmm. which makes it a more interesting journey. Right, right. Now, uh, I want to talk about your music, but first I want to talk also about um, being married to an actor. Now, you've been married to to an actor twice. And and, uh, is – I guess I know you wouldn't have anything to compare it to, but you know I'm sure you've dated people who were not actors. Yes. And tell me what are what are the biggest challenges in dealing because with someone a lot of else? Actors that don't want to date other people in the business. That's true. Yeah, well, that's true. after yeah, I said I wasn't going to marry an actor again. Um, you married to Malcolm McDowell. I was McDowell. married to Malcolm McDowell, who I freaking adore. I still really, today. Oh my God, yes, yeah, I love lovely. him. Yeah. He's he's. I've just been watching him actually in Mozart in the Jungle, uh-huh. which so I amazing. love. Yeah. He's so good. Michelle's in it. a big fan of that. Oh show. my god, I love He's that, brilliant show. In that show. I, 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 it took me. I kept wanting to see it, and Ted and I kept looking in the wrong places for it. And anyway, <laughs> we were just on vacation in Hawaii, and I said, "Please, can we watch it?" And we just binge watched Mozart. So fun? It's so good. Yeah. Um, and it's, he's so good in it and I love him and he's the father of my two children. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it was hard, you know, because at that time in our lives, trying to balance children and two careers that inevitably, especially in his case, took him overseas or in, I worked a lot in England. We lived some in England I did a mini series for the BBC that was like eight months long all over Europe. So we had all these separations. So my reason for saying I won't marry an actor again mostly just had to do with the fact that in life it was hard to connect and see each other mm-hmm. because of the way the schedules were. And as in my second go around with an actor, because I immediately broke my rule and married Ted Danson. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, not immediately, but after some years of being single, I did. And for some reason, maybe it's the time in our lives or doing television or whatever, we haven't been away from each other mm-hmm. that much. Lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of do work at that because, like, mm-hmm. at this point, it's like, why would I want to be away from him? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so we've been together 25 years. Wow. Yeah. 25 like years? Yesterday. Yeah, I know. Isn't because we nuts? went on the journey with you guys. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. outrageous. I know. Isn't that crazy? That it is crazy. That's really crazy. Yeah. Um, now, I, I know we're going to go to another break, but I want to talk about your music because this is something, this is something we did not really know about you. Yeah, most people don't. That you are yeah. a songwriter and mm-hmm. a singer and you mm-hmm. love... Uh, <laughs> You love doing that. I'll agree to the songwriter part. I don't she know about the singer. Did you see what she did? Yes. So she's from Smirk <laughs> she's like, there. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'm, listen, I'm of the school. If you can talk, you can sing. Okay, so. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> so I want to talk about that. Uh, we've got Mary Steenburgen. The movie is called uh, Book Club, and oh, you've got to see this thing. I, it, I cannot wait. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. You know, Michelle, I love my eyeglasses. In fact, I went to Warby Parker, and I got this um, this pair that I don't, I don't know what. It's, it's not a tortoise, but it's got some um, sort of a, a – a, a cream color mixed in with tortoise. And there's a name for it. I don't know. But I go in all the time to check to see the styles because they, they change styles, you know, all the time. And they have flagship stores. They have flagship stores. Yeah. And listen, I don't want to pay uh, what I pay for an iPhone no. with eyeglasses. Uh, 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 so uh. I go in there all the time. And I I find really good stuff. I have these these gorgeous ones that I'm talking about that I told you earlier that I cannot wait to wear. But it's uh. got it's got to be the right outfit for them you know the ones it sounds like you're describing see carson cressley carson is who turned me on to it and i bought the exact pair that carson you you have those i went in there looking for those but i walked out with this other pair that i kind of like better i love warby parker now warby parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free what yes they have a home try-on program they allow you to order five pairs of glasses shipped directly to your door where you can try them on in the comfort of your own home of course, you want to get feedback from your friends, your family. I ask my husband all the time. You know I have a, a, an eyeglass obsession. You do, and you need probably a 12-step program. I you really do. do. I'm yeah. not even denying it. Yeah, like yeah. The first step yeah, is the first step is like, yeah. I'm over denying yeah. <laughs> Like, I know that I have an issue. So when I ask my husband, he'll be like, mm, those aren't as good. I'll be like, I don't care because uh-huh. I love them anyway. Even if you ask the mailman, you don't care. Everybody whose opinion you care about, you try on the frames for five days before sending them back using a free prepaid return shipping label. No obligation to purchase. It's 100% free. And it's so easy. A dog doesn't matter to do it. <laughs> Pick an animal. Wolf. Exactly. And they believe glasses should be viewed like we believe glasses are fashion accessories yeah they are i use them as fashion accessories. you have 200 i probably have 200 no i think i probably have uh, 7500 yeah you're you're catching up really quickly (laughs) free home try-on program order five pairs of glasses try them on for five days no obligation to buy ships free includes a free i told you all that stuff head to warbyparker.com slash rue glasses start at 95 bucks love that um by the way including prescription lenses Lenses include anti-glare, anti-scratch coatings, and we have to have the anti-reflective yes, on Yes, for TV. television, yeah. For every pair you buy, a pair, ready? This is the best part. Of, with Warby Parker, for every pair you buy, a pair of glasses is distributed to someone in need. Wow. I love that. That's brilliant. Also, they have their own app. Now, when I ordered mine, I ordered it through the app. Mm-hmm. They make it so easy. You can see it. One thing I get really frustrated about is when I try to buy glasses online and I have to ask sellers, like on eBay or whatever, can you please show them to me on a human face? Okay, yeah. Because you can't get the sizes. Sure. And then you can see them all on human faces on Warby Parker. Mm -hmm. There is no reason to go anywhere else. It's unbelievable. Going through this site is so easy. If you have an iPhone X, make sure you download the Warby Parker app that I just told you about where you can use the brand new feature, find your fit, uses the iPhone X's true depth camera to map and measure your key facial features. That's wonderful. I mean, what year are we in? 2075? (laughs) 3,000? It's unbelievable, you guys. Warby Parker is the way to go for prescription glasses starting at 95 bucks. Go to warbyparker.com slash rue. 
If you're in the market for sunglasses or eyeglasses, prescription glasses, head over to warbyparker.com slash rue or download the app and you get that free home try-on program. So order five pairs of glasses, try them on for free, no obligation to buy. It ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Head to warbyparker.com slash rue to order your free home try-ons today. Warbyparker.com slash rue. We got Mary Steenburgen, uh, you know, the movie's called uh, Book Club. Can't wait to see it. I'm going to talk about the music, though, because when did you start writing songs? Okay, here's my weird story. Okay. Uh, I had no desire to write songs, never thought about writing songs. Uh, on my list of superpowers as a human being, it would have been way, way down on the list. Mm-hmm. Didn't even occur to me. Uh, I do remember going to... Um, a psychic many years ago in Dublin named Sandra Ramdani, who said to me, you know, of course I asked her about my career, mm-hmm. like any good actor, and she said, oh, you're going to do so great. There's going to be people cheering, and I see all this, uh, this, you know, I see it's a live thing. And I said, oh, is it a play? And she goes, I think it's more like a, like a musical. And I'm like, really? Cause mm. Like I'm... I have an okay voice. I don't, would I really, And but she said, no, no, I, you're not singing. You wrote the music. Wow. And I thought, at that moment, I decided. You wanted she, your money back? That she was no good. <laughs> but, then, but then the crazy thing is, she also told me about Ted. What? Well, she totally described that I was going to fall in love in a town full of towers, which was Mendocino, California, mm-hmm. that has all these water towers. Mm-hmm. And that it was a man that I would have uh, seen before, but n- not really known. Mm-hmm. Which was I was like a huge Cheers fan, Who wasn't you know. Yeah. And and she totally—I forget all the details—but she described me marrying. Uh, wow. This woman's going to get a lot of calls because of me today. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. but um, <laughs> she described this musical thing, which at the time I thought, nah. Yeah. That's not none of this is true. Yeah. Well, all of it turned out to be true. Wow. So what happened was, uh, I had a minor surgery on my arm. There's a little scar mm. that was um, in uh, April. Um, I think it's April seventeenth, two thousand seven. Mm. I went under general anesthetic. Came out. It uh, you know felt a little weird, and they said, "Oh, just drink a lot of water." You know, we went home. I still felt weird, and and I would kind of call them, saying, "I might be having a reaction to this anesthetic." And they said, "Oh, you'll be fine. You know, just you know, drink a lot of water, rest. You know." And to make a long story short, from that day, that moment on, I just had a bit of a different brain. Mm-hmm. Um, really, 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 mm-hmm. and I, I. The best way to describe it is that things became a part of a musical tornado. People would say a word to me, and and I would, I would hear it as music, or mm-hmm. I would pass a street sign, and it would say Lost Lake Lane. And so I wrote, mm-hmm. I, that turned into a song mm-hmm. for me. You're or, one of those people that happens. Something <clears throat> happens when they come out of surgery. You know, some people come out of surgery and they speak another language. Yeah. Well, there, Doctor Oliver Sacks, who himself yes, had exactly. a. Um, a brain disorder called facial recognition disorder, wrote a book called Music Ophelia. And it's a book that I think is about 
um, you know, it's people who've had a normal relationship to music that develop an obsessive relationship to music. Because in addition to this difference in how my brain sounded, there was a difference in my relationship to every bit of music in the world. You know, if I was standing at a kind of outdoor party or something and there was a three-piece band playing, I struggled to have a conversation with anybody because my brain was yeah. over there with those people no matter how That's far That's before away. the surgery or after? Because you were focused on the music. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and so for me... Uh, I, I know it all sounds wacko, but what I what I think actually did happen is not anything. I think it's more medical than metaphysical, but I don't know. But yeah. who knows? But yeah. I feel like because I had a very musical grandmother, I feel like genetically that music component of my mind and my being was there. And somehow in that little, you know, surgery the gate was lifted a gate was lifted or some little synapse or i don't Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um but after two months of not sleeping and me knowing that if i had an acting job at that moment i literally couldn't have learned lines Mm -hmm. because i was so obsessed with it all that i had to do something to get it out of my mind and i i started working with a musician on martha's vineyard mike benjamin who's a wonderful he plays every instrument and he has a beautiful voice. And I said, if I sing some of these things I hear to you, can you make a song out of it? That mm-hmm. was the first way I did it. And we kind of laboriously did this together. And then some of them were crap mm-hmm. and some of them were kind of great, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And and so we took the ones that that felt good and I sent them anonymously to a wonderful music lawyer Mm -hmm. and um, put my mom's name Mm -hmm. on there that he wouldn't recognize who it was and he called Eric my manager and said yeah I think I'd like to sign that kid and Eric's like yeah kid's not gonna do Uh. (laughs) but but I'll send her in you guys can talk about it what kind of music folk or or well initially it was um it was everything. Like, wh- what I write. So, I mean, are you sending songs to Rihanna? I mean. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. We all to. would. Good old. No, oh I write God. songs for, and credit songs for movies. Sure. And, oh and to submit. And I work with Universal Music Publishing Group and have now for a long time. And I, I go to Nashville a lot where the great, yeah. great songwriters is. Are, where there's an amazing tradition of songwriting. And we write everything from blues and jazz and country. And alone, when I'm by myself, I, I write these weird little uh, almost French-sounding uh, French cafe music that mm-hmm. are just, I don't even know where that weirdo stuff comes from, but it does. <laughs> Not Arkansas. And, no. And I took up the accordion, and I oh started God. playing the piano. And, yeah. you know, so it's been this amazing and and by the way i'm always the least talented person in a room when i'm writing i co-write with people and i'm always the least talented person in the room and i like that i like that i'm hunger i'm hungry and i'm trying to get better at something and i like that i stay in a state of um creative humility because i 
it feels alive to me and vibrant. And that's what I mean by scaring myself. Yeah, well, that in that spot is where the the divine can enter. You're an open vessel for the divine to come through you. Because once people feel like, uh, you know, I know what I'm doing, that's when it's sort of sort of. That's where the journey ends. That's where the journey ends. It sort of chokes it up. Chokes it up. Exactly. You know, what kind of music did you grow up listening to? Uh, Well, in uh, the summer after fifth grade, this angel from heaven uh, in the form of my friend's mother, Clara Green, took us to see the Beatles Uh in Houston, Texas. So Uh I, I, I was a huge Beatles fan. And before that, I loved Elvis because he was so handsome. Yes. And, um, you know, I loved, I loved musicals. I was very inspired by you know, the musicals of the 60s and then 70s. Well, there and, were tons. Yeah, then. and I loved hair, and I loved, you know, uh, Godspell, and mm-hmm. I, lo- I loved all that, and um, and I still do. And I've never done a musical in my life, um, but maybe someday I'll be. Have you done Broadway? Uh, I have done Broadway. Um, I did. I've done a couple of plays on Broadway. Uh, uh. So the the music. So right now you're with a music publisher and you're actively working. Where do you want to see it go? Where would you like for the music part of your career to go? Well, right now I'm writing the music for an animated film. And I love doing it because I I can write in a character. You Mm know, I so it's combining the two loves of my life artistically for of creating a character mm-hmm. as an actor and writing a song in that character mm-hmm. and so it's it's something i'm really really enjoying and um and it's turning out really well and and so i'm i i want to i just want to keep writing music and pushing my own boundaries and i want to write songs that i'm proud of and i'd like to write songs that say something mm-hmm. and as well as songs that are just about making you feel a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something you just said something really interesting about, uh, you know, first you talked about the, the guy who saw you in a play and said, you need to go to Sanford, Sanford Meisner. Yeah. And then uh, the woman who, in, who took you guys down to see the Beatles in, yeah. in Houston. And then uh, even, uh, uh, you know, your manager saying, sending this on the, People and the books that you know being introduced to these characters through books, you need people in your life who can say a little to the left, you know, you should probably, but also more importantly, being able to hear that universal stage direction to say, you know, kiddo, I think you need to do this over here, or even the psychic saying, uh, I feel this. Tell me about your life as a seeker. Wow. you know, are my, you a seeker? My husband would say, yeah, I think my husband and I both are. You know, I think, I think, you know, I, I've certainly experienced that there is another world beyond. The world is bigger than what we see with our eyes. And I've experienced that firsthand. So I think there's a part of me that is always wondering uh about not just what you see in life but all the people that went before us and and what's what's going on with them mm-hmm. i do mm-hmm. i i i i'm a big believer that this ain't all that there is and mm-hmm. i and i recognize that it's very easy for that to be a sort of solace or pablum that you tell yourself cuz you don't want to disappear and die mm-hmm. 
But then I've also had tangible experiences that would just not be explained any yeah. other way other than, oh, yeah, they're still around. Right. <laughs> so, um, so and, and I had those. To be honest, when my dad had those heart attacks, uh, one of them, I was at a camp, and I got hysterical at the camp, and I, I told um, – they, they couldn't calm me down, and I and I was not that kind of kid. I was pretty quiet, but I was f- completely frantic, and they took me to the Y in Little Rock where the my mother could come pick me up, and she came, and I said, something's wrong with Daddy, and, and she said, honey, he's, he's, he's fine. He, he's playing golf. That's, that's what his therapy was to play golf, mm-hmm. and she said he's on the golf course, and we passed his ambulance. Oh my you God. know, so you know the so as a child, I didn't understand that uh, what that was. I'm not sure I still do, but right. I really didn't as a child, and I kind of felt like I caused that. Mm. So part of my, you know, withdrawal from the world was don't screw up anybody's life by all mm-hmm. this weird stuff that mm-hmm. sometimes pops into your head, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. As an adult, it's like, huh, it's, life's too short. Let's just go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also just recognizing that you are a vessel. Like even the storyline with the um, the arm and how this other life came through you, this musical life just emerged and allowing it to emerge, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. I think most people have those experiences. I think they sort of shut them down. You know, and doubt them. Yeah, they really doubt them, and and it's easy to do that. And I'm not saying I've never done that. I've questioned. I yeah. I always question myself. I question life after death. I question anything psychic. I'm 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 not. Uh, I don't I don't spend my life. Uh, you know, just digging, digging, digging into this. But I I have to say I I just feel in my body an openness toward. Uh, toward spirit, toward uh, toward all the things I cannot see. I I don't understand them, or I don't have anything that I can call anything up mm-hmm. or that ability. But I'm open to the world beyond this world. Do you have a spiritual practice? Well, I was taught to do TM years ago, and I I am sometimes really religious about it, and sometimes I'm. Mm-hmm. You know, I get busy and I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I w- were. That's that's always on my you know January first list of how yeah. I'm going to be a better person. Right. Wasn't right. there a Beatle that made that famous TM? Like not famous. Obviously, there's they like, did go study. But, but yeah. One, yeah, I remember the first time I ever heard about TM because you know yeah. I'm interested in it was in relation to the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, George Harrison maybe. One of them. Yeah. I love the feeling of it. I love I always feel like um I'm being pulled so almost like by my belly down some crazy river. You know, mm-hmm. that's my mm-hmm. my feeling of what it feels like when when I leave myself alone enough to uh to go deep into it mm-hmm. and and then there's times I sit there and it's literally like I've made a list of what I have to do that day and I <laughs> yeah. think that's meditation <laughs> that's you part know. of it too though yeah that is part of it we yeah. got Mary Steenburgen the movie is called The Book Club uh, we got gonna take a quick break but we'll be right back after this 
Girl, you know, we spend so much time in bed. On our backs. On our backs. You have got to treat yourself good. So when you spend all this time in bed, why not treat yourself to the best sheets money can buy? That's Bowen Branch. I agree. And getting a great night's sleep is easier and more affordable than you think, y'all. You don't need a new expensive mattress or sleeping pills. You just need to go change your sheets. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you should check out Bowen Branch. Now, everything Bowen Branch makes, from bedding to blankets, are you ready for this? It's made from... 100% organic cotton, Mm. which means they'll start out super soft and they get even softer over time. And that is no bull. Yeah, that's money in the bank right there. Everyone who tries Bowling Branch sheets loves them, including us. That's why we have thousands of five. They have thousands of five-star reviews. I mean, we do too, but they do. And we're talking Forbes, the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company are all talking about Bowling Branch. Even three U.S. presidents sleep on Bowling Branch sheets. Shipping is free, and you can try them for a 30-night trial. If you don't love them, you send them back for a refund, but I doubt that's going to happen because I'm telling you, there's no risk, no reason not to give them a try, and you're going to fall in love. To get you started, our listeners get $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com. Promo code RUE. Go to bowlandbranch.com. Let me spell it. B-O-L-L and branch, like branch on a tree, dot com. Promo code RU for $50 off your first set of sheets. Fantastic. They're honest. They're transparent. They're a great bedding company. Startup founded in early 2014. You can feel really good supporting them. It's bowlandbranch.com. Well, and we've got Mary Seabers. In the break, we're talking about the book club. And she was saying how scary it is. But, you know, when you think about the movie, you think, okay, you think about the Joy Luck Club. You think about uh, First Wives Club. You think about these movies that that have these powerful women, these big actresses. And you think, oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You think about Nancy Myers, mm-hmm. who did not direct this, but you think about that kind of a film. Are we close? Is that the, the area? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But for me, it was like, I don't, I actually, I, they're so magical to me as movie stars. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, they're, they're three of my favorite movie stars. And so name the girls, too, name the, name the so women. So Candace Bergen, and Jane Fonda, and Diane Keaton. Yeah. They're Yes, movie stars. Yes, but then again, when I saw it, you weren't the surprise. Diane wasn't the surprise. Jane wasn't the surprise. I was like, Candace Bergen uh-huh, is back. Uh-huh. I follow her on Instagram and her Bergen's bag. Oh, Bergen's bag. Uh-huh. I ordered me. three for Christmas. I'm, I'm totally what are Bergen's she bags? takes she takes like you know fancy Yves Saint Laurent Goyard bags, or Hermes, whatever Hermes bags, and you hire her to paint your dog on them and then the money that you pay her is given to the ASPCA. Oh, how lovely is that? And they're adorable. Wow. And it's, you you can follow her on Bergen Bags. I love that I'm not plugging my own pathetic (laughs) Instagram. No, I brought it up. It's, it's, I'll show you. I'll pull it up now. It's It's the cutest things. But she's been low key over the years, you know? Well, she's popped up here and there. But then when I saw her in the mix for this, I got really, really She really is excited. brilliant. Yeah. She you is mean, brilliant. And she is. she's, and she's, when you're acting with her and you look in those blue, blue eyes. Yeah. Yeah. You just go, you just, I mean, she's, she's amazing. Yeah. And, but what I had no idea or could not be prepared for is that the three of us took one look at each other and there was some chemistry that truly occurred there's text chains going most days mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we've had dinners, you know, oh, beautiful. Jane wants us to like travel together. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, 
you know, there was just this a crazy thing that happened because we had so much in common. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, look at Candace and Jane, both who had famous fathers, both yeah. raised in Los Angeles. You know, I'm I'm the one that's not from California, yeah. but there, but at no moment. I mean, I felt so connected to them, and I think there's also like a deep appreciation. We we've all worked with mostly with people now younger than us, or or you know, or with a man, and he's getting three times your salary, sure. and yep. he and he's in the important part, and you're just supposed to you know muck in or whatever. We've yeah. all been to all through all that, and to have these kind of four women that on screen are buddies and like each other and off screen it just clicked it was just hilarious yes and the stories you know if i could have recorded them and that they would have been an amazing podcast (laughs) you know and it, it was uh it was breathtaking. Tell me this. It's interesting, this com- this part of the com- relationship with women. You know, I grew up with all women, and I, I know how early in a woman's career what her relationships are like with her mother and with other women. At what point does that change? Because there's a certain competition with women oh, God, yeah. early on. Yeah. Uh, at what point does that change? Um. Well, I don't experience it on Last Man on Earth, the tele- the TV show I do. Um, there's three wonderful women that I work with on that show. And, I, of course, I'm not only the oldest person on the show. I'm the oldest person on the crew. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if I was going to feel jealous, that you could sort of understand that. But I don't. I feel I love them. And we, we're close. And, mm-hmm. and it's... So I don't I don't know if if I just ever didn't ever feel that it's not a competitive sport acting. It's mm-hmm. really like it is one of these things where the better somebody else is, the better you are. Mm-hmm. And I've been I've done some like lame little movies where maybe I was you know in scenes with actors that that weren't maybe as good an actor as mm-hmm. me maybe. Mm-hmm. And I'm not as good. I'm not as good then. Mm. It's like when you're playing with with beautiful, talented people, it raises your game mm-hmm. and always. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of dumb to be competitive about it because it's very self-defeating is how I see it. Yeah, no, but you know, I mean, uh, intellectually speaking, that's – you're absolutely right. But I think that people who are – in we're talking about women, women who are into that place where um, another woman enters the room and they're like – Oh hi! You, you like on the housewives I, when you yeah. see the housewives of, yeah. and they're doing that thing that that yeah. thing of like what did she say? What yeah. did, you know that thing? Did, did you notice a change as you've lived on this planet? Yeah, in you, in other women, how other women relate to you? I think women. I don't know if they relate to me that way, or if I'm so scared of that that I don't go near it because I don't have that. I know what you're talking about. It's more like I've seen it on TV. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. If people are ever putting that toward me, I have some invisibility thing that I don't let it in because mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable. I'm I like being a sister. Mm-hmm. I like women. I like women a lot. I like men. And mm-hmm. I I have amazing deep relationships with 
with both as actors. And when I feel that thing you're talking about, mm-hmm. which is a certain bitchiness, I mm-hmm. guess, it's, I think I, Jealousy too. I think I run. I mm-hmm. think I don't swim in that mm-hmm. because it's just, it doesn't feel good. It's mm-hmm. like, and I, is it funny on TV sometimes? Yeah. You know what I love on uh, Drag Race? Mm. Like, I know it's funny when they're bitchy and stuff, mm-hmm. but when one of them starts to cry, yeah. the genuine uh, caring yeah. and empathy that comes towards somebody, and I'm not saying things can't be funny and wild and whatever, but I don't want to be in that. It, right. For whatever reason, that doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. So if there are women like that in my life, uh, you'll be glad to know. I have no clue who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and it sure wasn't the three women in book yeah, club. And, right. You know, and it's not the beautiful young women I work with every day. I mean, my character is married to a woman on Last Man on Earth, uh-huh. and she's gorgeous and much younger than me. And I love my scenes with her. It's yeah. like, it's like it, life is too short for me to invite that in my thing. Right. You, know? you have you have a daughter and a son. I have a daughter and a son, and I have two beautiful stepdaughters. Okay. So. And so, because I'm just, it's just an interesting thing for me, you know, you know what I, because Michelle, the I bring it up all dynamic. the time. Yeah, yeah. The female dynamic. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're in the Me Too movement and time's up. And I think about what it would take, what it would really physically, emotionally take to, to, to change the dial, to switch it up, to really, not just, uh, you know, talking about it or, be protesting, but to really change the psychology. We've gone backwards, I think. You know, I'm a loudmouth feminist. I think we've gone backwards in time with doing that. I think women, because of reality TV and because of, um, I mean, you're not going like to say the Kardashians. No, but reality TV in general, because what that's doing is giving women the go ahead to talk like that, to act like that, to be like that with other women. Whereas, you know, as a movement of women and the Me Too movement is necessary and beautiful and, and women deserve to be equal. You know, I worked in radio for 17 years where I always got at least half of what my male co-host was making. Mm -hmm. And it's not fair. But I think that what reality TV does, while fun to watch and be a voyeur, is it it gives women the right to judge somebody and be like, ew, not on my dime, bitch. Instead of saying, you look great. Did you lose weight? What did you do? You know? There's no that support because of this is missing, and it's gone backwards for me. I feel like in the '60s and '70s that really didn't exist. Mm. It was like love and happiness. And well, harmony. I think that there's. I think a lot of people, you know, it was fashionable to be that way, and I think it's kind of fashionable now to be um, uh, pro women. But I think when you break things down to the real gut of things, we're you know, we're women not. are still yes. vying for the attention of men for security or for validation but or for whatever reason. into that thought process by society. Yeah. Because, let's go back to Arkansas saying, well, if you're lucky, you can marry a doctor yeah. Yeah. instead of being the doctor. So from the 50s and before, women were set in the kitchen. They were barefoot. They were pregnant. That's what they were there to yeah. do. That was their role. Yeah. You go back to that before we were even allowed to vote. Our Our... Our voices didn't matter. And then when they did, you're right, there was a feigning of, you know, women power. Now we're in the mindset of actual women power, but there, we are lagging. There's a whole group of people, and we're talking, you know, hundreds of millions that haven't gotten that memo yet. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I hear from them. Because, yeah. you know, one of my oldest friends, my lifelong 
friend since my early 20s is Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. There you go. You know, we had our children. I knew oh, her Arkansas. Before. That's right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I, she's, you know, one of my closest female friends. Oh, how lucky. And, how lucky. I, and it's been an interesting journey. But mm-hmm. one of the things I would say is that when I've campaigned, we're, we're always, we were always protested, sometimes very small, sometimes more than small. I would say the majority of the people that were uh, there, protesting? I'm, I'm talking about Ted and I traveling on her behalf, mm-hmm. uh, were women. That's and protesting that's against you. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and so I always, you know, I mean, there's this, there's, the Hillary that you want to believe, that you that you want to dislike, or you don't like for this cause or that cause, and then I actually know the actual real person right, right. and have for a very long time, and have watched that person walk through life and have walked through life with that person, and um, and I always thought as I would look at these women out there like so mad, and I would think, I wish you could talk to each other for. 15 minutes. I wish you could, you know, be in a room with her for 15 minutes. Not that she has to change everything or change your anger, but I wish I wish you could know the actual person as right. opposed to all the things she's carrying for you, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. And um and that that's been an interesting journey. And and maybe one of the reasons why it's important to me to to seek out authenticity and friendships and stuff like that because because sometimes in our world people make you out to be someone sure. you're not either way too great or way too terrible you know yeah, yeah. so um, knowing the humanity of who someone is is kind of important but also you know um, uh, that's one of the reasons this movie book club is so important because it does show a sort of positive life light on the how, the importance of female relationships and once all of that competition is out of the picture what strength there is and you're just people you're, when you're all you're that people, crap is gone yeah but also for women people who have gone through so much um so much craziness of being maligned by yep. whatever yep. doctrine is out there mm-hmm. but then to to survive it and to have these friendships i haven't seen the film but i'm assuming it really is about how you can you can depend on on other women you know it is about that and it's also about um i think it's a a little bit about a hunger that People assume it is when you get to a certain age, and I have assumed this too, you get to a certain age and you're sort of, you're set, and oh, aren't you sweet? Now mm-hmm. go away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, okay, so first of all, I'm so not cooked. I'm mm-hmm. like still out there, mm-hmm. as we've been talking about, do, scaring myself or trying new things or whatever. And so everybody else that I, not everybody else I know, but a lot of people I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so this thing about assuming things about women our age is weird. I mean, yeah. it's weird because for me, I hope that the the main people that go to see our movie, truthfully, are are young women because you want a life where your future is, is exciting ahead of you, not that 
you're put out to pasture right. at a certain I moment agree. in time, yeah. either emotionally, your relationships to men, to other women, sexually. You don't want any of that to just be, well, you're going to be the walking dead from right. age 40 on or whatever <laughs> right. age you want to yeah. put yeah. on it. Yeah. You know? but look at that Jane Fonda's life. Look, she has squeezed so many lives into one lifetime. Still going. Still going. It's stunning. It is stunning. It's stunning. Um, she showed up for you when you yeah. congratulations got your star you. on you. Hollywood Boulevard and looking extraordinary as always. Yeah. So yeah. both of you. Thank but you. I did mean Jane at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, so for in terms of Instagram, what is your Instagram handle? Mary underscore Steenberg, and she's right here. And, and by the way, January Jones set that up for me. I, she set it up <laughs> oh, in late one night on a boat in San Pedro <laughs> when we're shooting. And she went, you don't have Instagram? And I'm like, no. And she's like, okay, but here's the problem. I, I have to get more interesting in what I post. You Uh-oh. can see that right now, Michelle. Okay. Well, no, you're not. You're letting people into your life. There's pictures with you and gently. Time. I have yeah. to be way more bold about it, right? It's, okay. Yeah, you got to take risks. You got to take you risks. Are right? good at that. Okay. And that's the thing. Listen, I'm not 20. I have two teenage daughters. They tell me what I'm doing wrong and what I'm doing right. Mm. But how do you like if you if you have an experience with say a Jane Fonda or somebody like that? I always don't want to invade her privacy so i end up like, not taking a picture right. or, yeah but you could say do you mind is it stupid you know, know. there's ways to go around it okay. sure listen i'll i'll tell her all the time let's take a picture we'll, we'll we have the relationship where he'll go no girl not now or he'll say let's do it later or whatever yeah you have that relationship with these people they'll be like oh that's fun yeah. or i know i okay fuck off no, right. as long you know as you're not obnoxious about okay, it i yeah. think people are willing to do it um, uh, and the movie uh, book club, I, I think by the time this airs, it will be May open. 18th, May eighteenth. May eighteenth. Yeah, yeah. You have been just a joy to talk to. You Thank should you come so to the much. premiere. You guys should come to. the Oh premiere. my god, how fun! Is it here in L.A.? Yeah, okay. one of them. I think there's a New York one and an L.A. I'm trying one. to remember where I am. We, we, we should not, It's not here. that here. night. Yeah. I think the premiere is before that. I'll find out. Okay. Oh. Yeah. You yeah. Should, yeah we will be. be here before DragCon is yeah. right before that. So yeah, twelve thirteenth. Yeah. So we will. We'll. We'll, we'll show up. Okay. We'll meet all the, okay. uh, oh my the God. book club. And will you wait. take a picture for me? Absolutely. Me Actually, we're going to do one now, okay. too. And uh, we'll put it on your Instagram. Okay. Instagram. All right. So, uh, Mary Steenburgen, thank you so much. And thank you for all the years of giving yourself so gracefully to all of us out there who are watching your films, listening to your music, and sharing your life with us. It's really, a, a, it's an act of grace. Thank you so much. Thank you. Follow right. her on Instagram. That's right. And Michelle, until next yes, time, my time, darling. my darling. Bye. Bye. <laughs> can I get an amen? If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Amen.